0: Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, You you guys ready to have some fun in the Old Testament? Maybe some Leviticus? I'm totally kidding. I'm not going to do that to you again. (laughs) Totally kidding. I thought about it, but I was like, "Nah." We're in Judges, actually. Which I don't know if you've ever like drawn a warm bath and made yourself a daiquiri and lit a candle and started reading through Judges, Um, but it's a book for that for sure. It's it's actually like the Mad Max book of the of the Old Testament. But I just wanted to look at Gideon, so I'm really excited, actually, to talk in this series of God Speaks, and so what I thought I would do is maybe take a peek at Gideon, and then tell you about two times when I, I believe God spoke to me, and pair those together and see what we come up with. Um, so Gideon, he's, uh, he's an interesting character. I really like him. He's so normal. He's flawed. He doubts. He, his faith wavers. He gets a pretty bad rap from a lot of people that do commentaries on him and talk about him. But really, he's a normal guy. And that's what I, I think... That's why I like the Old Testament so much right now. I'm really stuck in it right now. Because I think it's filled with human beings that are just working out their humanity and they're just trying to interact with God and make sense of their role on the planet. And I find commonality in that. And so Gideon's one of those characters for me. He's also... Uh, He's a pretty insecure guy. And just a mental note, if you know me, don't send me a text while I'm up here. That would be so wrong, okay? I'm making sure I don't Uh, bloviate. So he's uh, he's a pretty insecure guy. And I relate to that because I'm a pretty insecure guy. And so as I've been preparing for this um, talk and thinking about Gideon, looking at him and thinking about the times I've heard from God and thinking about myself, I thought, man, I really see myself in Gideon. You know how I see myself in Gideon? Why I see some insecurity in myself Because for some reason, so what I've learned Is that I have this really incessant need For my wife to tell me I'm rugged I, 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 I'm not kidding I like when she tells me I'm rugged I do It, it, it builds me up, man It makes me feel good uh, I, You know, I puff my chest out I, uh, I, I, I click my heels um, I grow my beard out longer I go out chop some wood out in the yard I like it It fills me up. It's so affirming. I think this is why I like it. It's so affirming. I feel her love for me when she tells me that. And it's almost like it has like this purpose thing where I I begin to get, I I begin to embrace like I have a role in our marriage and and at home and in our neighborhood and with our friends. And and so I just, I love when she tells me I'm rugged. It's so life fulfilling. It gives me confidence. And then I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder if that's why I like to, to hear from God. And I know that, um, you know, who doesn't want to hear from God? I think most people do, and I don't want to put anything on everybody here. So please know when I talk, I try to speak out of my own experience. I'm not telling you to believe a certain thing. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from, okay, and I'm not trying to categorize you or label you or anything like that. But um, I I think, uh, man, I I think when when I think about wanting to hear from God, there's, there's a lot of that there. I'm looking for affirmation. I'm looking for purpose. I'm looking for what's possible about my life from Him. And when I'm, what I'm really saying when I'm, talking, when I'm asking, will God speak to me, is I'm saying, does God love me? At least that's what I'm saying. I don't know if that's what a lot of people say, but I'm, I'm really asking that question. Does He love me? Does He care about me? Does He know me? And know, knowing is kind of a big thing. I want to be known by God. Susan New gave this brilliant talk many years ago. Is she in here? You are. You, do you remember this talk? I don't remember the whole talk, but I remember you talking about being known by God and was so important to human beings. Like it was it was really healing and life-fulfilling, and that stuck with me for years. I don't even remember which year you gave the talk. I know it was in here. Uh, but this this being known piece, like all of that's wrapped up into that. Everything that made me feel rugged, the affirmation, the love, the purpose, it's all wrapped up in that. And, and, and when Holly was, would tell me, and she does tell me, like I'm her big strong man or something like that, it's... <laughs> There's these three things that come out. Here's what I'm hearing. She's speaking to me personally. Okay. She's building up my identity. She's uh, speaking to me foundationally. All right. I know she's for me. She's not going to leave me. She's not going to take off. Right. And she's kind of commissioning me, com- commissioning me in a sense, because I'm beginning to sense what my role is in our marriage and in our friendship and on the planet. And I think, at least what I've learned in my experiences with hearing from God and kind of looking at Gideon, is God does the same thing. There's these elements when He speaks to us. He's speaking to our identity, building us up. He's speaking to us foundationally. Okay? He's building a base of belief in us that's going to hold us up and prop us up and help us to know that we're known later on when we're really going to need it and go back to that well. And a lot of times, I think He's commissioning us. I mean, we're, we all have commission, folks. We, there's something for all of us to do on the planet. If there's breath in our lungs... Then God has something for us to do on the planet, and when He speaks, you know I think there's a commissioning of sorts that happens as well. And I see all of this in Gideon's uh, life and in his encounter. Now there's not enough time to kind of go through his entire life. If you're curious, what I all I wanted to do today is just wet your palate on Gideon. His life is Judges six through eight. Go home, go to your city group, rack rack this out, wrestle with it, take a look at him. There's all kinds of things to mine in there. But I just wanted to take a look at this one moment where he has this encounter with God, and then I'll give you a cliff note version of, of his life. But he has a moment where God speaks to him. Okay, And so let me just set this up a little bit. Like I said, Judges is Mad Max of the Old Testament. Okay, So what's happening in Judges is Israel, is they're in complete and total apostasy. They turn from God, they get into bad situations and circumstances, they're oppressed severely, they cry out to God, he sends a deliverer, a judge, he rescues them. Then they repeat the cycle. And it just it's over and over and over again. And even in Judges, there's, there's, there's language like this that says everyone's basically doing what's right in their own eyes. It's a really precarious time. And so in chapter 6, we come across this guy, Gideon, who, by the way, is not noteworthy. There's nothing special about his family. They're not rich. They're not powerful. Uh, they're just trying to make it. And for the last seven years... Israel has been under constant threat of invasion and, and being pillaged um, by the Midianites and a couple other tribes. So, so regularly they come and they take Israel's food, all the harvests and the crops. They come in and they're stealing it. So they're controlling them by food. And they're severely oppressing them. And that's where we come across Gideon. So there's this moment where the angel of the Lord comes and, and meets with him to tell him what God has to say about him. And Midian's actually threshing wheat In a wine press. I'm not a farmer, but I know you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. So he's hiding from the enemy. Very fearful guy at the time. And frankly, folks, I'm not bashing Gideon. I understand why he's fearful. For the last several years, they've been under constant threat. It makes sense to me that he's nervous. So he's hiding while he's threshing the wheat because he doesn't want the Midianites to come and take it. Well, God shows up in the middle of that. So I thought we would look at that and just see, okay, what does God say to him how does he respond? And I wonder if we can find ourselves in him. And I wonder if we can learn something about belief and how powerful it is. And how maybe like when we begin to believe the things that God has said about us, they can actually activate the truth about us in our life. So Gideon, we're in this moment, he's threshing the wheat. The angel of the Lord appears. And he says this beautiful thing to him. He says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Right? Remember those three things? Identity. He calls him a mighty man of valor. There's nothing noteworthy about him, though. He's he's done nothing. There's no no reason for him to be referred to that way. But God builds him up immediately and says, you're something special. You're going to be like a warrior. You're you're, you're powerful. And then he says, this is the foundation piece, I'm with you. Because he knows he's going to need that later on. He's going to need to go back to that well. I can speak from experience. That well is really critical when times get very difficult. And so God says these two things to him. But I like Gideon. I like him. You know what he does? He's not like, oh, that's amazing. You're an angel of the Lord. Great. No, he responds with inquiry, with questions. He says, how can that be possible? Look at, do you see what's going on? Where is the Lord? Where is God? He's asking questions like that. Now, this is the fearful guy who was just hiding from the enemy. He knows he's having this unusual encounter, and he decides to question the angel of the Lord. When, when's God going to save us? Why are we, why are we in this unending torture, oppression? Oh man, I kind of like the guy I like a lot. I admire his doubt. I admire, I admire his wavering. And then I admire actually his courage to ask these questions, but you know what? God is patient and God responds to him. And he says this, okay, I see where you're coming from. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. So it's like, God says, sees what's really on this guy and in this guy. Like he, he's actually a brave guy. He says, take all that ball of passion and energy and go and save your people. Again, commissioning him, right? Builds him up, identity. Gives him foundation, I'm for you. Go and save Israel. This is your task on the planet. So what does Gideon do? He doubts. Ah, I like this guy. He responds like this, please, Lord, How can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. It's so sad. Such a sad response. I'm not bashing Gideon. I'm just saying I feel his sadness. He thinks so lowly of himself, so insecure. That's my boy. I'm right there. I've had a word like this just a couple of months ago. I got this beautiful word from somebody, and I've been waiting over a decade to hear this. I kid you not. It's okay if you think I'm crazy sometimes. That's totally fine. But I've been waiting a decade to hear this, and I heard it, and it was it was beautiful, and I was encouraged, and and I didn't want everybody to know how excited I was, but I was excited. Like close the door, I'm like running around on dignified sort of deal, so excited that God spoke to me. It's such an amazing feeling, you know what I'm saying? It's you get this rush of affirmation, of love, of purpose, but at the same time, I have, I, I do have, not had, I have this tension. Where well, I know God said this to me. I know it came from him 100%, but I am struggling to believe it's true. How's that possible? That's some tension, folks. How is that possible? I know he said it. Ah, I don't know that it's true for me. How can it be? I'm, I'm the least of these. And I'm trying to figure out, why do I feel that way? And I think, I think it's the last decade. My life has not been on an arc towards this word that I was given. And so all of that is pushing against the truth of the Lord. Well, Gideon, same thing. The guy's been under constant oppression, a very difficult life. Let's look at him with not modern eyes, but what he's dealing with in the midst of. And notice that he says he's the least in his family. So Things aren't well for him. I can understand why he responds that way to this big word. It's interesting. But Gideon, here's, here's the really neat thing about him. He doesn't... He doesn't stop, though. He doesn't stagnate. This is where he's different than me. I, I've stopped and let the word stagnate, and I'm paralyzed. I don't know what to do with it. Gideon moves forward. He moves forward. So later on, he gets instruction from God now. And he's, not, he's still not fully believing this stuff, folks. Okay, he's not. Yeah, the angel showed up, but he's still not. I don't know that this stuff is true. This is why He's infamous. Well, God gives them some instruction to go and completely disrupt the culture of Israel, to go and destroy all of their altars that are lifted to false gods and goddesses. Because Israel's not worshiping God. They're worshiping everything else but God. So God tells them, I need you to go and destroy these things. Well, I don't know if you know this, but in the ancient world, you don't mess with people's religion. You don't. That's not an easy task. That's not, oh, he had to go do that and knock some things down. Think. No. He had to go destroy everything they were worshiping. Kind of like a prophet. So, Gideon, he does it, but the Bible said he was afraid. (laughs) But he does it, and he does it at night, so nobody sees him. I like this guy. I like this guy. And now I'm thinking, maybe I'll work this word out. I'm going to do it when nobody sees me, though. because I'm afraid it might not be true, but maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll try it. (laughs) He's cool, man he goes and he goes and he does this and this is the first this is the second confirmation that God's speaking to him okay because guess what nobody kills him they don't kill him they're they're aggravated okay they're, they're pretty aggravated but he doesn't get killed and then his moment arrives okay his moment arrives Israel's enemies are at the doorstep this is the time this is the thing that God had spoken to him that called that called him out in this is what he set forth on the planet to do to push the invaders back that moment is here upon us. And this is where we come to the infamous Gideon and the fleece. Have you ever heard of that? I like what he does here. So what he does is he's still not convinced that God's for him. He's just not there yet, right? He's still struggling with the commission piece, even with who he is. Those three things, the identity, the commission, the, the foundation, he's not buying it yet. And so he says, God, the only way I'm going to know you're for me is if I put this fleece out and in the morning you put all the dew on the fleece. And you make the ground dry, and then I'll know you're for me. And so God does it. And he says, that's great. God, I'm going to do the fleece again. And I'm, so- I'm sorry to ask this. I'm sorry to ask this. But can you this time make the fleece dry and the ground wet around it? God does it. Guess what? God didn't turn him into a Pop-Tart. And this is in the Old Testament. He's so patient. God is so kind. He is so good. And I don't say that flippantly, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. He's so good. And so he does it. So Gideon, he takes another step forward with this. He goes and he gathers a bunch of armies from the tribes of Israel. And then God dwindles them down to 300, like the movie. But it's not actually the movie. And so it's 300, verse 30, 40,000 folks. Very insurmountable odds. Gideon finds himself in a very precarious scenario, but God has spoken to him, confirmed for him many times, and specifically said, you're not going to die. You will not die. He says that in the scriptures. You will not die. Gideon's not all the way there yet. He's not there yet. He's, he's, not, he's not rocking out Apostle Paul level faith. He's still working through this. So he goes and he, he takes another step forward with all the stuff he's been told, that God has told him. And he positions his guys around the enemy and he hears this dream. He hears the Midianites talk about this dream. And this is what I want to just read real quick. Because this is the moment for him. This is, this is the moment where belief kicks in. And, and it's really funny. This is what he needed to hear for it all to make sense and be true to him. But he's, he's, he's at night, he's, he, sees, he hears these two Midianite guys talking about this dream they had, and they said this, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. That's a strange dream. probably heard strange things like that in, in prayer ministry sometimes, I'm sure. And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. And I feel, when I read that, I felt this rush of realization that he felt. Confirmation complete. This is what I needed to hear. I know I heard seven other things, but now this is what I've heard. And so he goes to his guys and he tells them to arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And they roll. And that's what he needed to hear, to believe that everything that had been spoken about him to him was true. Man, I've had that moment before. And Gideon was never the same after this. You could tell when you read later on in the story, he's a different guy. He's walking fully in his authority that God spoke over him. Now, he's had it the whole time, but he didn't believe it until this moment. And I've had this moment. Now, my moment came in the worst time of my life, one of the worst moments of my life. I don't know many of you now here, which is great, but when me and my wife came to this church, it was like eight or nine years ago, um, it was a very bad situation for us. We, uh, my wife was carrying a baby that was diagnosed with a fatal anomaly, so she wasn't supposed to survive after the birth, and we came to RCC. We didn't really know many people here, and the church contended for us. They prayed healing for us. We had special worship services. I mean, it was a beautiful thing. We'll never forget. We're like wounded puppy dogs. We're loyal because of that, you know. We'll never forget that. We came to the church in that moment of distress, and look, you know, it didn't work out. We had a a baby. She was born, and she she died during birth. And we thought we'd get time after the birth, and, and we didn't. And I just wanted to take you to this moment because this is one of the moments that was foundational for me, when I believe I heard from God, and I. And I don't like to open that vault much because I keep all those emotions locked up tight, you know. But this one's special for me because God, He's so good. He spoke to me in this moment. So fast forward to the hospital room. The baby's born. She's passed away. I don't know how she made it over to me. I don't remember now. Uh, but she was given to me and I was holding her. And it was, it was such a sterile moment, you know. And, and I was holding my lifeless child in my arms. And... Um, you know, it was quiet, and I i was just trying to process everything. You know, when you come against death, it's really unfamiliar. It doesn't feel right, and uh, you just don't like it. And so I'm holding her, and I'm looking at her, and Holly's on the bed, and she's stunned and shocked. And and in those moments, too, your brain's trying to catch up to what's happening, and your soul's trying to interpret everything. And then I just had all of that. You know, I thought she was healed. So I'm holding her, and I'm looking at her, and and, and I remember thinking, I just... Just open your eyes, you know. Just open your eyes. But she didn't. And so I sat there, and it was quiet—just the rumbling about of the doctors finishing things up. Um, but I remember—I don't know if you've ever had this when, like, it's really quiet inside of you. It was like absolute silence in my mind and in my soul. And I remember thinking, "Okay, this is—I need to know what I'm going to think about this. This is going to impact me for years to come." What do I believe about this? What do I believe about God? And so that's going through my head, and I, and I get quiet, very quiet again. And really, I just want to hear something from him. Anything. Anything. And then he just, he whispers to me. It's just a hint. It wasn't audible. It wasn't a prophet in the room. It was just a hint, folks. And he says, this isn't me. I don't do these things. This isn't of me. I love you. I love your wife. I love your daughter. And I am good. And then I have this Gideon moment where I just decide to believe that. I don't know why. It was literally the worst moment of my life. There's nothing good about that moment. I'm not thankful for that moment. I don't want to go back to it. But for some reason, I decided to believe that it was true. And in the Franklin House, we believe God is good. It was a foundational moment where he came And he met me there. I think that's why I decided to just believe he's good there. And I know that that's hard. Believe me, I know. I don't know how I came to that in that moment. Because after that, I've had much wavering and doubt. Look, like Gideon, he had exceptional faith in moments. It wasn't his entire life. Take solace in that. God wants to speak to us, and he knows our form. He knows we're from the dust. He knows it's hard to be human, and it's hard to hear him sometimes. But he's speaking just as the kingdom has come and is coming. God has spoken and he is speaking. And in this house, we believe that God speaks and he's going to speak to you and he's spoken to me. And if it's hard for you to believe that, that's okay. Look at Gideon. But you will have the moment where you you turn on belief because you've heard something from the Lord and it's amazing. But you decide to believe it and that truth is activated in your life for some reason So, when I say God is good, I mean it, I promise. I believe He's good, not because circumstances are always good. They're not. But He wants to speak to us, He wants to speak to you. Let's stand. this is one of the reasons we come here once a week for a couple hours, I mean I am gonna come to just hang out I want to give it a shot, I want to hear from him I know that some of us in here need to hear from him and I didn't have to have God tell me something specific to know that there's people in here that need to hear from God I know that you do I do and that's why we do this, that's why we do prayer ministry we're just, we're just trying to make space for it because human beings need to hear from their creator because in that they learn who they are they learn that God is good and for Him, for them, and that He has a plan for us, that he's, he's commissioned us. and He just wants to feed that belief in us so that that truth about who we are and who He sees us to be and who He knows us to be, gets activated in our life. And he'll keep speaking over and over and over again. He will, until we hear it. He's okay with that. He's patient. He really is. And I, I love that part of the story as well. God just keeps confirming. He just keeps speaking. Because he knows we need it. You know. Let's pray. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we love you so much. God, you are so, so good. I thank you for your goodness, Lord. And I just pray during this time that that those that are desperate to know that you're good, that you'll speak that to them, you'll whisper it to them, you'll give them the hint of it, You'll feed their belief regarding the things that you've said about them. The possibilities for their life, for my life. We just want to know what's true about us, Lord. And I just pray that you'd speak to us in this time. You would come and you would meet us here. Actually, I know you will. I know you will, Lord. I'm so thankful for that. You're so good. You're so good, Father. We just ask that you'd come and you'd just say a word to us. Love you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit.